0: Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying the book of Daniel, that's Daniel 7a, the first half of chapter 7. In this second half of the book of Daniel, from 7 until the end, the next six chapters, are very different from the first six chapters. In the first six chapters, we heard stories um, in which the uh, kings of Babylon and Persia were the central figures, um, in terms of uh, their dreams, their visions, and so on. And we learned how Daniel and his friends, Hanan and Mishael and Azariah, interacted with them. We learned of some miraculous stories that occurred to them. It was very different from what we're about to start reading in from 7 and on, which are the visions of Daniel himself. Now, um, there is a, a raging debate among the... Uh, commentaries and among the rabbinical tradition as to whether or not Daniel is considered a prophet. We don't see that in the book of Daniel, specifically, God spoke unto Daniel and said as follows, or God appeared to Daniel in a dream and said as follows. We do see Daniel's dreams and thoughts and and visions, and he does speak of the future, And he's clearly inspired by God. He's clearly being led, and um, by God, he clearly is is a visionary on many levels. And his visions are some of the central visions that have laid the foundations of of Western religion in many ways. The ideas of of a coming Messiah, the ideas of the resurrection of the dead, the ideas of of The future kingdom of God, these obviously we've seen them expressed through all the prophets that preceded Daniel. We saw it a lot in Isaiah, we saw it in Jeremiah, and when we study Ezekiel together we'll see it there, and we've seen it among many of the twelve minor prophets that we've all studied together. Daniel is some of the most famous visions, including the one we're about to start to study. I would like to um, Preface this with a few things as to how I am going to study this work. In many commentaries, and probably most of the traditional ones, maybe even all, it is attempted to make identifications. That when Daniel says there's going to be, or he visualizes a kingdom of the future and another kingdom and another kingdom, they identify them with the retrospectoscope. So to speak, as to which kingdoms he's talking about and which kingdoms are going to happen. Now, assuming Daniel is a prophet, there's nothing specifically inherently wrong with saying that Daniel was prophesying about a future event or a future kingdom. However, there's a very strong danger in that, and that is the danger that Chazal, that the rabbis taught us in the tractate Sanhedrin 97b, they said. That they taught us never to try to figure out the meanings of these biblical texts in order to predict specific dates and times and kingdoms and so on for what the prophets were referring to. So to sit down and say, based on these verses and these visions of Daniel or any prophet, depending on which you're studying, must be that they're referring to the... Soviet Union, or they're referring to the United States of America, or they're referring to Nazi Germany, or they're referring to the Roman Empire, or the British Empire, or whatever you want to claim that they're referring to, and therefore, if you calculate out the years of the year uh, 2027, this and this and this is going to happen, these are the kinds of things that we're specifically not supposed to do. So, when Daniel comments and makes comments that where he's obviously referencing the things which are going on around him in the world around him, then we can interpret and say, it clearly seems like this is what he's talking about. But, but when he is talking about visions into the future, what we should be learning from him is what he is visualizing, what he is seeing is the cycle of human history that if we don't learn from the lessons of the past, we are going to repeat in the future, and these cycles are going to keep on going round and round and round until the one day that we finally unite ourselves and the entire world unites themselves under a leadership which is devoted to one thing and one thing alone, and that is the service and worship of God himself. And that equals Justice and righteousness. Tedeku Mishpat, which is the central message and theme of all of the prophets that we have studied together, including Daniel, that that once the only thing that will be forever, the only thing that will end this cycle of of, of history of one nation capturing another nation, destroying another nation, making another nation suffer, make is when we unite under that ideal. These are the things and this is what we should learn. Rather than say that when Daniel predicts there's going to be a nation coming from the north or the south or whatever, and then say, oh, he must mean uh, the Roman Empire, or he must mean the Greek Empire, or he must mean Alexander the Great. Or, that's completely and utterly missing the entire point of what Daniel is trying to teach us. I, I can't say this strong enough. The point that Daniel is trying to teach us is that we as a world need to recognize that these cycles are going to continue and continue and continue until we unite with one singular purpose of worshiping and serving God. Now that we have this understood, I also would like to read to you um, a little bit from Maimonides at the end, of, uh, in his, the last chapter of his magnum opus, the Mishnah Torah, uh, um, where he makes this point extremely clear. I'm 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 re- I'm going to read uh uh the, the um uh, this is in uh, chapter 12 of the laws of kings and wars uh, uh paragraph two and from the plain these are the words of the Rambam I'm reading from the translation that's on the Safiyo website although I might change a little deviate a little bit from it. From the plain meaning of the words of the prophets, we understand that in the beginning of the days of the Messiah, there will be a war of Gog and Magog. Before that war, a prophet will arise. He will not come to change the world. He will not come to make the pure, impure, purify the impure, and so on. Some sages say that Elijah will come. However, and this is the point that I want to get at, But regarding all of these matters of which the prophets have spoken and similar matters which we find throughout the prophets, just like they predict that war of Gog and Magog, no one knows how it will be and how it will unfold until it will be. In other words, we do not know or understand the meanings of of these prophecies and predictions. For these matters were unclear to the prophets themselves, and the sages and the rabbis themselves had no tradition. None, zero tradition regarding these matters. They can only attempt to the best of their ability to understand the meanings of these verses. Thus, there arose many disagreements about these matters. Nevertheless, this is the clear point that the Maimonides is making. The order that these events were occur, nor their details, are fundamental to the religion of Judaism. Arguing over what predictions are meant and what these prophecies mean are not fundamental to Judaism. They are simply not important. Deciding whether or not Daniel was referring to the Babylonians, or the Persians, or the Romans, or the Nazis, or some future some future empire. That's a person must never busy himself with all of the tri- all of the stories. And never dwell on all of the Midrashim, the phrases that the rabbis say regarding these matters or similar issues. And he must not make them dogma. Believing that this will be exactly as it says like this, because this verse means this, is not dogma. This is not Judaism. For these do not result in love of God or fear of sin. That's the bottom line. When one studies the prophets in order to find predictions about the future, then one is doing exactly the opposite of what the prophets had in mind when they wrote these things. They do not result in love of God or fear of sin. And they, if they do not result in that, then you are simply reading it wrong. Similarly, one should never calculate when the times of the ends. I'm still reading the words of Maimonides. Our sages have said clearly that the Spirit of those who try to calculate the end will expire, meaning if this is what you try to do, you will end, you will ruin and completely corrupt the religion. Rather, one is simply to wait and believe in the principle and idea that the time will come, as we have explained. And he doesn't, now I'm, I'm speaking from myself, until now I was quoting from Maimonides himself. What does this mean we should wait? It means we should wait and live the principles of the Torah. I know I this took me off on a little bit of a tangent, but before we go into reading these last six chapters of Daniel, which are visions about the future, it is absolutely, positively, 100% crucial, and I can't emphasize it enough, to bear this in mind, that we are not reading predictions about what's going to happen, so that you can, uh, you can decide what to do about your stock portfolio tomorrow. What we are doing is we are reading Daniel's visions of the future, of the cycle of history, of how history goes and how it will one day end. Now let us begin with that. After having that introduction, let us begin. Chapter 7, verse 1. In the first year of the kingdom of Belshazzar, Belshazzar, we're familiar with, he's the one that had the drunken um sexually promiscuous party, when un, during which the writing on the wall came, and and this is the first year that Belshazzar was in charge of Babylon, and at this point, if you imagine, this is the point at which Daniel and anyone that's uh, anyone responsible can see that the kingdom, the kingdom, this. Great powerful kingdom of Babylon is on its way down the hill. It's on its way falling into the abyss. And this would be an ideal time for, for Daniel to start imagining and thinking about the meaning of history and the cycle of history. So Daniel, he <inaudible> saw a dream and visions in his mind while he was lying in bed. And immediately after he woke up, he wrote down the dream in order so that he should recall it. As we all know, dreams tend to fade away during the day. But if we write them, as soon as we wake up, we'll remember the details even more. And Daniel thought that this dream had a lot of meaning to it. So he wrote it down immediately upon awakening. And Daniel related the following. Now, it's not clear what does this mean? When did he say this? From the second half of the chapter, which we'll study when we do 7b, it's, it seems that, that Daniel might, might have said, said this in his dream, or it could be on A. Daniel Villamar that he said this by writing it on the tablet, that that itself was considered saying it because he was writing it down, or it could be that he told this to other people from whom from he wanted to teach a lesson by teaching them this dream, but either way he related the story. I saw in my visions during the night following. I saw the the um the stirring of the four uh, directions of the heaven from the four corners of the earth. This is the way that we would often translate this. And all four were slamming into the. Great sea in the middle and shaking it up. Now, as we've learned throughout the, the words of the prophets, when we talk about the Abaruch Hashemaya, we're talking about the countries and the nations that live all around the world. There's nations of the north, nations of the east, the west, the south, and so on. Abaruch Hashemaya means the nations from all around the world, and they're all fighting, fighting for this great sea in the middle. They all come in conflict with each other. One beats the other, and the other beats the other, and we'll see how this plays out as we keep on reading. I want to remind you: I'm fully aware that there's numerous commentaries on this, on this, um, on these verses. After having studied all the classic commentaries, uh, many of my ideas come from the classic commentaries. Many of my of these ideas that I'm using now are simply my best and most honest attempt at trying to understand the meaning of the words themselves. The, perp, the title of this podcast is Let the Prophet Speak. I'm going to do my best to let Daniel speak, rather than speak from myself. So I'm trying to read his words and understand them to the best of my ability, based on my translating the words and based on understanding the context in which he's saying them. Verse 3. Bi'abach <inaudible> And then as these four directions, the, four, the, the winds coming from all four corners of the world, from all of the various powers and nations coming around the world, I saw four animals arise from the sea. So these four were created, are, are meeting here, and they come out of the sea. Each one is different one from the other. Each one has a certain power. Each one has a certain strength. Each one has a certain something that makes it strong, that makes it great, that makes it big, which it's going to try to use as they fight with each other for power. Kadami also, the first one that came out, Aryeh comes out like a lion. Here, the identification of a lion as a symbol of Babylon is, 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 is almost all the commentaries understand that this. We find in Jeremiah 5 and Jeremiah 48, Rashi points out, that, that Babylon is, is compared to a lion. We find it in Babylonian imagery, archaeologically and historically. So the, the, the image of the lion as Babylon is one that Daniel standing in Babylon and watching Babylon as it, as it starts to disintegrate under the corrupt and hedonistic leadership of Belshazzar, and he he, one can imagine that this is almost certainly referring to babylon so because that in daniel's mind would be the first powerful nation it's the one that he saw the one that he saw conquer judea the one that he was taken to the one that he grew up in and was raised in the government in, as we learned in the first six chapters and we got bendi and this babylon was so strong and it ruled over everything, and it had wings like an eagle. that allowed it to soar over all the others. So, so all those other the other three animals that haven't yet been described were being ruled over by Babylon. Chazeh as I was watching, ad dimeritu got paid by, and then suddenly its wings were cut off. and um, and this uh, the the lion was raised. Raised out of the ground, um, raised up and um, was taken from the ground uh, and, and, uh, and it was lifted. Its wings were clipped off by some probably angelic being, uh, the Auragla and Ohokimas. and it um, and it was uh, a, then set down like just an ordinary human being. Of And it was given the heart of a man. In other words, it was reduced from being this powerful beast and turned in just, into just an ordinary man. And this is clearly Daniel's vision of Babylon. He now sees Belshazzar is taken over. Babylon used to be this powerful lion with wings that carried it across the world. But now it is just just another person just falling apart. Like any other person, its wings cut off and no more power, no more great, great strength of a lion. And at this very time, we know from historical sources and biblical sources that we know that in the beginning of the reign of Belshazzar, who was actually not the real king, his father Nabonides had went into, went off on a long extended vacation that this was the time when the Persian kingdom was coming to power. The Persians had fought a battle with the Medians and um, conquered them and incorporated the Median Empire, into the Persian Empire, and the Persian Empire was beginning to become strong and beginning to dominate. Now remember, prior to these times, there was the nation of Assyria and Egypt. There were powerful empires, but but it wasn't until... Babylon came around that these these global ambitions started to come. That the nature of warfare and the technology of warfare changed such that massive armies could be built to control large large populations and to control large areas. History was changing. It used to be there were, of course, nations that were stronger than others, nations that dominated others. But these worldly ambitions to conquer and rule the world were first starting to come onto the world stage now. And Daniel saw Babylon having accomplished that. But now he sees Babylon with its wings cut off just becoming like another person. And he looks to the north and he sees Persia starting to become stronger and stronger. And this one is Damiel Dov similar to a bear. The imagery of Persia with a bear is also found throughout the, um, throughout the, Words of the prophets, throughout the words of the rabbis, we find it also throughout archaeological works. The image of Persia as a bear. A bear is big and strong and powerful, but it's also fat, and it also has the image of one that eats a lot. Vilistar hakimas, and this this bear was unusual. It was um, uh, lifted on one side. Utlas ilin bifuma and there was three fangs in its mouth among its teeth. And they would say to this bear, "Eat and eat and eat lots and lots of meat." This symbolizes how Persia was perceived as a nation of of, of hedonism, a nation of gluttony. Um, if one thinks about the story of Esther and the images of Akashverosh, the king, and his big feasts. And then later, those practices became the practice of Belshazzar of, 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 um, of Babylonia. He started to adopt the ways of the Persians with these huge feasts with meat and wine and sex. And, 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 and um, this is the image that is often associated with Persia. So this is, not, this is Daniel's dream, dreaming about what he's seeing happening in his time right in front of him. He's seeing the Persian Empire begin to grow in power, begin to grow stronger. They just defeated the means, and it shouldn't be surprising that soon they're going to be coming south to the Babylonians And as they expand their empire. But then, now Daniel looks off into the future. And here's where it starts to get dangerous to try and identify exactly who he's talking about. After this, And then I looked on, and I saw another one following that bear, or coming after the bear, or coming behind me, that looked like a leopard. And this leopard also had four wings on its back. So these wings represent the ability of the powerful animal to extend its rulership over a wide area. Just like the Babylonian kingdom had wings when it was able to rule over an area, but then those wings were cut off and it just became an ordinary place. The same thing. This leopard. Now a leopard, and this a leopard is, is a very different image from the image of a lion. A lion is the image of power, an image of a, of, of kingship, an image of of lordship over others. A bear is the image of something fat that just enjoying life and, and gluttony and eating, and it's also a extremely powerful and strong figure, but but one that that indulges in worldly pleasures. These these are the images that are attached to it, which we find among the prophets. A leopard is different. The image of a leopard is the image of one who is intelligent, who is smart and sneaky, one who one who um who rules over others, but in a very different way. Rules over others in a way that that sneaks up and gets at you from behind, that, that, that gets at you in your mind, that that the leopard understands, the leopard thinks, the leopard stalks its prey, the leopard figures out how best to get its prey. But this leopard also has four wings that allows it to rule over the world. The Of al which allows it to fly, <clears throat> like a bird, the arbareshin and this leopard had four heads, the lay, and it was given rulership over everything. Remember what the image of four is. The number four means the peoples from around the world: the north, south, east, and west. This is the image of a of an intelligent kingdom. A kingdom that learns how to rule the entire world because it has four heads. It's able to think on four ways. It's able to think, how do I rule these people best? How do I rule those people the best? How do I rule those people the best? Which is why the verse ends with those words, ton and rulership will be given to this leopard. It is extremely tempting to try to identify this with, with the Greek empire. And it could very well be that it is identified with the Greek Empire. And it could very well be that Daniel had some awareness of, of rumblings that were already going on in the area of Greece and Macedonia, with um, which was al- already the, the beginning, beginning, beginning times of those cultures, but very early on in the development of what we now know as the classical culture of Greece and so on. But in order to identify, One could say that he meant that clearly, but I think it's more important for us to think that what Daniel is saying is that in the future there will be kingdoms like this. There will be kingdoms that will be able to rule in a different way than the bear and the lion, but in a way that also involved culture, in a way that also involved um, uh, having four heads, being able to understand and manipulate other countries and rule over them by spreading their culture, by spreading their way of life. One can compare that, if you want to, you might not like this, to the, the the cultural domination that the United States had during during the Cold War over, let's say, Western Europe, how the culture of the United States allowed the U.S. to have influence through its art, through its movies, through its music, for people wanting to be like the Americans. Now, this is just complete conjecture. You may or may not like that comparison. But the point being that this is Daniel looking into the future, saying there will be nations that will conquer other nations in this manner as well. The specific ones that it's referring to is not important. It doesn't matter if it's this one, that one, or the other one. But the idea is what it's important. And then another kingdom comes about. Basardinah, this is verse 7, after that, I continue to see in my dream and I now see a fourth um uh um empire which is which is which is uh, an animal that is much more frightening it is extremely fearsome. And scary looking and extremely powerful. it It had great iron teeth. Iron is always the metal associated with with war, with instruments of war. This is powerful. It builds its might by its massive armies with massive weapons made of iron. This one devours and crushes Usha the Raglarov it smashes it with its feet. This one does not rule like the leopard did by spreading its culture, by spreading its ideas, by using its 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 brain, but this one comes to crush with power, with force. It was very different than the all of the animals that preceded it, the and it has so Babylon did rule with power like a lion, but we know that Babylon was also the image of Babylon was associated with wealth. It was wealth with which it was gold. It was the head of gold of the statue of gold. Now remember when Daniel was interpreting the Buchanets, I was giving back a couple chapters ago. He also had four. He had a head of gold, and then and then and then the, there was four parts. The four kingdoms represented by the large statue. The gold was Babylon, and then the next one of 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 silver, and then the next one of iron and bronze and clay and so on. He's using similar. It's this very similar dream, but this is his own dream, and now he sees a Canaan Assyria. It has ten horns. This awesomely fearful and awful creature. Is smashing the world with power. Very, very, very often, many of the uh, of the commentaries identify this nation with Rome. But again, it is not. It, Rome might, in many ways, um, um, be the type of nation that Daniel was referring to in this vision. But that does not mean that he was specifically discussing Rome. But Daniel is having a vision, looking into the future of other types of nations and other ways they will dominate the world. And just like he spoke of the leopard that dominated with its culture, with its mind, with its four heads, this one it's dominating with its ten horns, with its iron teeth, which is, with its smashing power and strength, just overwhelming force and power to control the world around it. So that might mean Rome. You can say it means uh, the... People during the days of the Soviet Union compared it to that. People in the days of Nazi Germany compared it to that. But a nation which which becomes powerful and rules over others based on brute force is another nation which will exist in the future. And then, but then, this is still not over yet, Daniel says. I saw these four animals of these four different types. But now in verse 8, Now, while I was looking and just, admiring our earth, fearfully watching these ten horns. From inside those horns, from behind those horns, grew another small horn. And, um, the, and three of the big, strong, powerful horns with which it was crushing its enemies were pushed aside by this little horn et akra min kodama it was they were they were pulled away from before that horn ainin in nasha. and on this little horn, there looked like the eyes of a human being, bikarna dog, growing on this horn, offulmi malil ravan, and it was speaking in a. Arrogant and proud way. So, this little horn comes up and starts to talk, starts to speak, it has eyes and it pushes away the power. This can be thought of in many, many ways. Um, But one sees that no matter how much power, no matter how much force, no matter how much strength, a little horn that talks like a human being can tear the whole thing down. One might want to suggest that this represents the pen being mightier than the sword, so to speak. That the one who can speak can take down the largest empire if he says the right words to the right places and plants the right ideas into the people's minds. Now these may be good ideas or they may be bad ideas. But as we've seen throughout history and what Daniel is seeing again, here And he's, and again, not predicting a specific event, but making an observation of human history, that this little horn that speaks arrogantly, that speaks with pride, that speaks openly, that, has, that looks like a human being, it has the eyes of a man, it's not a horn of power and crushing like, an an, like a violent animal, but this, this can take down the whole thing. Verse 9, as I was watching all of this unfold, remember the bottom line of it all, that until we submit to justice of God and the rulership of, and the, and the unity of purpose of building a world of justice, right? Nothing will last forever. Each and every one of these animals, even the most powerful, frightful animal at the end, a little horn speaking speaking up can take down that. That. But the one thing that's forever, and Daniel has told us this when he was interpreting the other dreams of the kings in the first six chapters, is going to tell us the same message now. Suddenly, when I was watching this, I saw Adi Khorsavan, they started setting up large thrones for the ostensibly for the judges to sit and the the ancient of days which is generally understood to be a reference to god himself was sitting dressed in a white um, cloak and he was grew, grew um his hair was uh, growing with thick white hair like the wool of a of a sheep or a lamb, and his and his um his throne was made out of flames of fire, and the wheels or the you know um that were beneath his throne were were fiery flames. Uh, here we it leads to the discussion of anthropomorphism. Daniel is is having a vision of God and viewing him as a person. Not just any person, but a person with this amazing image. And we find this in other places. And this, of course, leads to many discussions. Obviously, Daniel understood that God has no actual form and does not look like this. But this is a vision in order to inspire a certain purpose here. And that purpose is God as being an arbiter. Of justice, in other words, he's not going to establish a world that's based on the power, like the animal with the horns and the teeth of iron, or or a nation that's going to be gluttonous and 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 rule like a bear or like a lion or like a, a leopard or whatever or any of the other things. But God is a God of justice, and the image of the ultimate judge sitting in council with the other judges, this is the image that Daniel is seeing. But it's, it's this lofty, grand image. But obviously, Daniel understands that he's not looking at God himself, but he's looking at a representation of God as an arbiter of justice. And Chazay Haves is his verse. Uh, the 10, I'm sorry, I skipped the word. And a river of fire came out from before God. There were thousands upon thousands of, of servants in this court that setting up the court to rule the world. And myriads upon myriads of human beings. But Daniel, it's seeing here presumably is all of humanity from history from beginning of history to the end all of humanity now standing and god is about to give judgment and the books of judgment are open the evidence is right before him and god is about to judge the entire length and the entire amount of human history and then while i was watching this incredible scene and I saw that because of the arrogant words that the horn spoke, (laughs) the the last and the most powerful of all the nations fell apart. In other words, it all fell apart. None of the human endeavors, none of the human uh, strength and power lasted because it all came down when that little Horn spoke. And we'll talk a little bit more about this little horn when we do the second half in 7d. And it became, uh, and the, and the 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 body of the most powerful of the nations just was destroyed and tossed into the flames in front of God. The most powerful and awful beast, the most powerful nation and empire is like nothing. And all the other animals which were still around, still trying to establish their own and still having their own their own areas of influence, they were also just, all of their rulership was taken away. However, God did say during this judgment, I'm going to let you guys play this out. I'm going to let you guys play this out. You can keep on trying to conquer each other. I'm going to allow human history to continue. Daniel was looking at the future. He didn't see the kingdom of God coming tomorrow or next week or 10 years from now. He saw there was going to be a future. From Daniel's perspective, he was able to look forward and see that these these powerful beasts of nations are going to be constantly fighting back and forth one with the other. However, I did see during this vision, and I did see that in the clouds of the heavens, there was a man that was coming. And he was going to be coming at the end of the days. There was going to be a leader who was going to come. And when he reached God, he was presented before God. And God, Acknowledge that yes, this person, this person is going to lead the world to justice. And to him was given the actual leadership and the actual glory and kingship. And all nations and all people and all languages will then serve him. And him here. uh, means it uh, serve with him sultan alam his kingdom will last forever and 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 the and the um his his kingdom will last forever his kingdom will be forever because this king this king is the king who will lead the people in the worship of god he will be the one who leads the people in and in the and bringing up and bringing about justice, leading with justice, not leading with power or might or any of the other ways. This, of course, is the image of the Messiah, and this is one of the most um, uh, you know clear images of the Messiah. So here we have God recognizing that this human being, that this person, is the king that will lead to. Uh, a kingdom that will last forever. Again, an image which Daniel had told us about before when he was um, interpreting the Buchanetzar's dream, that the kingdom of God is the kingdom that lasts forever. But now Daniel's seeing it in his own dream. In 7, thank you for studying 7a together. In 7b, we're going to study together Daniel's understanding and how he learned of the meaning of the dream, which we just read. Thank you so much for studying, then, Daniel together. Looking forward to studying 7b and this entire book of Daniel together.